This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half-ape with the strength of 20 demons. Welcome back to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I'm Joe Peterson. With me, as always, my good friends and co-hosts, Eric Branson and Ryan Steiskel. Gentlemen, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm, I'm here. I, I'm i here as well. <laughs> well. We're all here. Now that we're all we're here. We're all here. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So, shit. We just talked for like an hour before we record. Hour and a half before we recorded. Now we got nothing, to, we got talk nothing to talk about. We got nothing to talk about. Now, uh, now, just sharing stories about weird weekends and shitty weekends. <laughs> well, yeah. As we're recording, we just ended it. Just we just ended Labor Day weekend. So, um, did you guys do anything fun? I spent the entire Labor Day weekend inside the house taking care of two sick children. So they started school. A week ago and of course with school comes you know the first sickness of the year as well mm. so not covid uh they've been through that already uh there's just uh something else they we didn't end up actually taking them to the doctor because they both you know within 48 hours were doing better so probably never going to find out what exactly they had but anyway not the most fun labor day weekend i've ever had we'll just mm. leave it we, at that you know we tried we went camping we took the kids camping <laughs> from friday through monday and it was crappy weather for part of it we had weird camp neighbors that were intimidated by our what i refer to as the asgardian chihuahua um <laughs> even <laughs> though they ter- had terrifying dog yeah he's he's the, the dinkiest of might um yeah, then that and just a bunch of other weird interactions. People were weird this weekend, and it, it was really off-putting. Yeah. What about you, Ryan? Yeah. It was my 32nd birthday. Uh, over the happy week. birthday, right? Just a shitty weekend overall. Shitty... <laughs> Actually, uh, I had a lot of fun. I got to see friends uh, in person and hang out with them for the first time in a long long time actually um which was pretty cool but uh i was feeling actually kind of sick a little bit like i got two hours of sleep the night before because for some reason my body decided to wake me up really early in the morning i'm like oh okay and then of course when i have my friends over the three of us are notorious for staying up until um sun comes up and that's exactly what the fuck happened as we played old <laughs> N64 games. No, not N64. Sorry, Super Nintendo games. Because uh, we have an emulator. But that's just like, huh, these games are like ancient. And now so are we. <laughs> but uh, actually, I look forward that's to right. it. I look forward to it. Being 32. And now we take a quick break to let you know about some other excellent podcasts that you should check out. Hello, fellow time travelers, and welcome to the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the only podcast to discuss, in story order, all the Doctor Who novelizations. My name is Tony Whip, and every two weeks or so, I'm joined by a two to three person discussion panel, including our so called expert who's been a Who fan since 1979. That would be me. 
we also get the views of intermediate, casual, and novice fans who either have never seen the show or who have never read these books until these podcasts, including Dalton Hughes and Allison Fitzsafried. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you find good podcasts, or even ones like ours. You're listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. Enjoy your travels. I would like to invite you to take a trip across all of time and space. Join us in the police box as we discuss the worlds of Doctor Who in a completely random order. We discuss it all. TV stories, audio adventures, novels, nonfiction books, and on and on. I'm your host, Eric Branson. I would be very happy if you join me for the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast is a proud partner of the Video Junkyard podcast and can be found on most major podcast platforms including SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify. Hi, I'm Juliet. And I'm Nathan. Experience Doctor Who from the very beginning through a classic fan's eyes. And through the eyes of a new Who fan. Reminisce and relive those classic moments with Nathan as he offers fun insight. Or experience them for the first time with Juliet as she dwells on social issues, history, fashion, and the size of a flashlight. We're the Time Streams Podcast. Find us on Spotify, Stitcher, or Apple Podcasts. Video Junkyard Podcast. See, wouldn't it be nice, though, if, you know, on like a long weekend, like the situation we just had, if you could, you know, like, Ryan, yours, yours ended up being pretty good. Ours was crappy. If you could just, like, know that ahead of time. Somebody could tell you, hey, don't go camping. Oh, just like, go. have some stranger come up to you with a weird premonition out of the blue? Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't that and be it, cool? Yeah. I mean, only, there only might be if some the... negative ramifications. <laughs> I'm yeah, just saying. Like, something, like, somebody might write a novel about it. And someday that novel might be uh, made into a movie. Yeah. And then later a TV show. <laughs> or when, when is Guinness calling with the world's longest Segway award? Cause... <laughs> That's right, because tonight, if you clicked on the episode, you already know that tonight we're going to be talking about the 1983 American science fiction thriller, The Dead Zone. You've been in a coma, Johnny. For how long? Five years. The house is burning. Your daughter's in the house. It's not too late. You're the talk of the town. Because I got my head bashed in and I'm still here to talk about it. Because you have the power of second sight. I don't know whether it's true or not. These psychic powers of yours. I'm at my wit's end. John, I could use your help. It has to do with these murders we've been having. Castle Rock Killer. I saw his face. Just thought I'd stop by here on my way to the U.S. Senate. Greg Stilson. He's dangerous. If you could go back in time before Hitler came to power, knowing what you know now, would you kill him? I would kill him. You'd never get away alive. It doesn't matter. I'm not crazy, you know. Those headaches are getting worse, aren't they? As the visions grow stronger and more powerful, so the body weakens. God has seen fit 
We bless you with this gift. You should use it. Bless me. Not only can you see the future, I can change it. So this was directed by Cronenberg and, uh, of course, based on the Stephen King novel. So it's it's Cronenberg, it's Stephen King, it's... Christopher uh, Walken. And it's Christopher Walken. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, okay, so we got to have this out, guys. Uh, can we get through this entire episode? Without doing with, an impression? Without somebody doing a Christopher Walken impression. I mean... Well, we all know who that somebody's going to be. It's not going to be me. <laughs> Well, then nobody should do it. So, because <laughs> I'm not going to do it justice. I don't I might either. try, but like, <laughs> no one I does it either. justice. But I think maybe that's how we end the show. <laughs> yeah, I might, I might try. That's oh, that's that's, that's, <laughs> you're, that's you're the incentive. <laughs> <laughs> and the ice is going to break. Sorry, that was terrible. <laughs> I fucking broke through puberty, apparently. Yeah, we have. We have the entirety of the show to practice. Oh this, my god! So. Yeah. So a quick synopsis um, of the Dead Zone for those that aren't in the know. Uh, Christopher Walken plays a school teacher, Johnny Smith, who awakens from a coma to find he has psychic powers um, and walks terribly. And, and yeah, has this very odd limp. Very, like, odd. very, yeah, limp very is, wide is strides. <laughs> Never got the limp down. No. Christopher is um, doing some kind of walk-in. That was his nickname on the set. Uh, this has a tremendous <laughs> cast, though. It's uh, obviously Christopher yeah. Walken, Brooke Adams, Tom Skerritt, uh, Herbert uh, Lom, Martin Sheen, Anthony Martin Zerba, Sheen. and Martin Sheen, and Colleen yep. uh, DeHurst. Yeah, this, and I even noticed somebody else, a couple other people in this, too. But, um, yeah, and of course, later on, it was made into an early 2000s series that had uh, Anthony Michael Hall, but this was the uh, this was the original film version of The Dead Zone. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So was this it, a first time viewing for anybody? Yes, <laughs> it actually was. I was gonna say not for me, but it's it's it was only a second for me. But go ahead, Ryan. No, I was saying yes. I've only seen like oh, bits you were and done. I've only seen bits and pieces randomly like that show up on like USA or some other fucking cable network and be completely fucking confused by what the hell was going on and proceed <laughs> no further. <laughs> so, um, I uh was actually very surprised Joe that you hadn't seen The Dead Zone being uh, knowing that you were a fan of, you know, Cronenberg, King and Christopher Walken as somebody I know that you enjoy as well. Yeah. Like this this movie seemed like something that'd be right up your alley. I was surprised you hadn't seen. Yeah, it, it was one that I I'd, I'd always meant to see and never got around to it. And I think when you know, I, I caught a few minutes of it one time, like at the end, and didn't know any of the context. So, uh, but I knew the oh, basic, same situation. I, <laughs> yeah, I knew the basic idea of like, okay, guy goes into a coma, comes out, and he's got psychic powers. But I didn't know the the plot, um, mm-hmm. and and the the characters and and the role. Um, so you've not read you've not read this novel either. No, this is one I have so, not yet read, yeah, but it's, it's on my list now because yeah, it was. Uh, you can. This is one of those those films too. Again, it came out in '83. This is one where you can definitely tell that a lot of themes have been borrowed from this story over the years. Yeah. In, in other in other works, it's definitely been been used as a as a a crutch, and I don't mean that as a pun. Um, <laughs> but yeah, because Johnny walks with a crane with a cane. Um, yeah, with a crane but, would be so, even more impressive. Same. That would be yeah. It would. 
But so, I don't yeah, know, this... what did you think of this one overall? Any thoughts on this one? Overall, I I, I real I enjoy this one. Uh, it's it's interesting because I think it's very, for being a Stephen King adaptation, it's very. I don't know. It doesn't feel and and I could be totally off on this. This doesn't feel real Stephen Kingy, and that could be because I grew up in the era of the Stephen King miniseries oh, kind yeah. of like thing going on on TV, and we've talked about a few of those on the show before. Um, and this feels like very different than that like the whole kind of like a Stephen King movie would come to feel like to me or have like kind of this, some of those vibes yeah uh, this definitely shares more of a something with maybe the the only thing I could think of that's based on King's work the kind it's kind of in the same vein would might be Kubrick's adaptation of The Shining but even that there's the this I'm not saying this movie is very similar to that either but it's it definitely kind of takes a tone a little more similar to that mm-hmm. um, well it's kind of supernatural light yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it's very like set in the real, like even the, even the supernatural aspects of it are very kind of played very real worldy. <laughs> it's all you really kind of get is like that weird sound and like walking doing like a twitch, like that's mm-hmm. that's yep. the most really. It's not. And at like, first you don't even get like the flashes of what he's seeing. You, you eventually they get to that doing that, but yeah, um, yeah. Which which also I was going to mention is is uncharacteristic of i think david cronenberg as a filmmaker as well because there's it's a very straightforward approach from him as well which i remember commenting on when recently when we rewatched scanners that it was a little more straightforward than i remember it being uh just stylistically and this kind of carries on from there this is this was i don't know if this was his next movie but it was definitely in the wake of scanners he he got the job to do dead zone but um yeah, this was um, after Videodrome, but before The Fly. So okay. if you actually look at... Those are the ones, yeah, I wasn't sure where Videodrome fell, if, if it was before or after. And if you look at kind of where this one falls in his, you know, his list of films throughout his career, it's after he's already established his his love of body horror, you mm-hmm. know? Cause it, but it doesn't have any. I was going to say, this one, I was surprised because there's so many opportunities in this story for it. Yeah, it's, it's and he, it's very, like he held back. Yeah, it's very <laughs> light on the Cronenberg for being Cronenberg. I mean, yeah, I, I, yeah. I think it's got some of his style. Like he's got a very kind of, I wouldn't call it documentary necessarily, but he, even in in some of his earlier films, like we were talking about with Scanners, his his style is very real world. Everything feels very set in the real world. He's not very fantastic or fanciful at this point in his career. Videodrome, of course, is good, the one that broke that open. So that's why I was. It's curious to me that the, that that preceded this movie. I was thinking it came after, but um, and then yeah, he goes on to make some stuff that is totally uh, the opposite of what I just said. But I think these early films, he has a very kind of. Um, I wouldn't call it like not stylistic, but a very kind of straightforward approach to directing and and some of the choices he makes with the acting decisions and such, but. Yeah, and I have to wonder, too, and, and this is probably something I could look up and, you know, correct myself on later, but I almost wonder if this was one that he did, like, with, like, a studio contract. You mm-hmm. know, like, you owe us another movie. <laughs> yeah, um, well, but, I think but, it was one of those, like, opportunity kind of, Knox kind of movies, because he had just had two big hits. At Scanners was kind of an independent hit, but it was definitely put his name on the map. Um, and I think Videodrome became kind of an instant cult classic so i think this was the, the first like you know this was his first big gig movie and 
if you notice, like most of his movies, if you go to his filmography on Wikipedia, he's got, you know, they have the columns, director, writer, producer. He's usually yes, yes, yes on all of those things. This one, he's only director. Right. He only directed the film. He didn't write the script. Uh, I think Jeffrey Baum wrote mm-hmm. the script. Um, he did not produce. Uh, Deborah Hill, who's John Carpenter's old producing partner, uh, I think this is after they had they had just recently divorced <laughs> but um so deborah hill produced this as well so she was involved with like stephen king and some of his productions as well um but yeah so it's uh i don't know it, it, it's interesting I, I think you're really i'm saying i think you're absolutely right i think it's just kind of one of those like oh stephen king my adaptation well here's the video drum guy or the scanners guy he seems like he fits that kind of perfectly let's hire him and that's how actually Dead Zone happens. he apparently like, was not the first director in mind Oh. They already had a director, Stanley Donan, but he left. <laughs> so well, they don't even explain when Cronenberg got in, but Cronenberg got in. In fact, because I'm re- right now, I jumped ahead and I started reading the development. Um, at one point, uh, the the script there was a script written for the movie by uh, King. And Cronenberg ultimately, uh, when he was directing, said he was the one who decided not to use the script because he found it needlessly brutal. <laughs> so maybe Cronenberg just didn't want to fucking do a brutal movie. I guess uh, maybe that's what that, it is. That yeah. sounds that, but that sounds the total like opposite of what he would. Do. <laughs> well, he he can certainly be brutal, but I would I would say he's not usually a needlessly brutal person, uh, uh, or filmmaker. Like there are. Like, and I, I compared like throughout my notes and kind of when my watching of this movie, I was noticing how similar the Dead Zone is to kind of not his films of this era, but films like that he would you know do later, especially in the early two thousands, like History of Violence and Eastern Promises. Um, just kind of like real world. Um, this this is honestly more of a crime. Th- well, I don't know. It's got like three different stages. It begins, you know, a little yeah. bit of a supernatural thriller. It's a crime thriller for a moment there, and then it becomes, you know, the story about, you know, Johnny saving the world essentially by like, assassinating. Well, philosophical <laughs> debate of sorts or yeah. question of what do you do if you know of someone who could potentially become the next Hitler? Do you kill them? But uh, we right. can we can get onto that one later. <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah that is a thing like this is a really big story like it's a big movie and and unfortunately one of the things i noticed with it is because it's trying to pack so much into one film there's quite a lot of like verbal exposition dumps yeah um to like established characters there's some i don't know there's some elements in the script that seem really rushed or well, just don't seem natural um well, well, that apparently kind of Stephen King's book itself is, it's 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 very it's been quoted quoted like very long, and in the book I guess there's a parallel story structure, uh, between um, uh, Johnny Smith and um, give me a second, uh, Greg Stiltson. So they're actually there's parallel oh, okay. stories, and they meet at the end. I guess I don't know. I never read the book. I'm reading off of what I'm reading huh. um but so they right. actually trimmed and down Stilson's almost like a, a character that kind of just shows up in the latter third act well, of the he, film and... he's hinted at in the beginning the middle and then he shows up yeah so he he has a slow existence i guess or, or he he kind of sneaks up here and there like by name name drop he's name dropped mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. but i guess they trimmed it down a lot from the book 
but yeah, because of like what it is with the book and stuff like that, like, I think, well, like and, you're right. There's like three different fucking things going on, like the but it yeah, is episodic. King yeah, tends to you know write books that like that big kind of complex narratives, and they just don't work for two hour movies. So you right. got to kind of trim the fat here and there. And I think they did a fairly good job here. It's not perfect, but yeah. Of, yeah, and I haven't read the book, so I don't know, like, I can't say exactly, like, oh, they got all the, you know, pieces they needed. Just at watching it as a film, I feel like it was cohesive enough that it worked out. But I do feel like there was, you know, three very distinct phases this movie went through. Yeah, it, from what I'm reading, it went through a lot. <laughs> um, well, this is also during the peak of, like, oh, we're going to start making Stephen King movies. Oh, yeah, they're getting rights to everything yeah and yeah. you know we we've got a stephen king thing it's gonna make money and so we we've got to get somebody on this they've got it's got to get made um and it did kind of feel that way a little bit um but there was a there was a character in this or a, a performance i wanted to mention it's very brief in effect it's not even really listed at least on the wikipedia page it's not even listed under cast but did either of you recognize um johnny's mother i did but i didn't know from what is she I'm gonna slap myself probably but um yeah she was definitely familiar to me I'll give you a hint she had an uncle who thought he was Saint Jerome yeah I was gonna say <laughs> Ghostbusters right yeah yep, it's the librarian so, Ghostbusters. damn I should have I always do that where I doubt myself and I won't answer but yeah I had that one and it's so, easy to say that after the fact right but... with that being said I actually have a good <sighs> easter egg that relates uh, Bill Murray was first considered to take the role of Johnny Smith. Mm. So that would have been interesting. Although yeah. I, I don't know. I can't. I can't imagine it after seeing it with anyone but Christopher Walken. Honestly, but he yeah. was he was the bottom of the barrel of the list. Apparently, there's a lot of people they had in mind. It was first Bill Murray. It was King's first choice. Funny enough, Stephen King chose him. Cronenberg uh, hmm. actually wanted Nicholas Campbell. To portray Johnny, but he wound up just casting him as the Castle Rock Killer. Uh, he also wanted Hal huh. Holbrook and, um, yeah, I know he said it says but, Hal Holbrook. He wanted as Sheriff Bannerman, yeah, Tom Bannerman, Skerritt's character yeah. in the movie, which I could see Hal Holbrook would have done that well. Yeah. But I think Tom Skerritt pulls it up. I mean, he's fine. Yeah. The role is actually, I feel like it's probably this is just a guess, but I feel like that's a very diminished role from what it probably is in the novel. Um, just because, I mean, they have to pack a lot in here. Right. Um, also, but, the what, character of Sarah Bracknell is played by Brooke Adams, who we've talked about before with uh, Invasion of the yeah. Body Snatchers. Huh. Yep. Was she in something else, too? I was trying to think. I know she was in Body Snatchers. Um, was she in something else we covered? I don't know. Could be wrong. But. So, I got a question, because we're on the on Johnny Smith. What did you guys think mm -hmm. of uh, as Walken, uh, Walken's perfor uh, performance in this movie as Johnny Smith? overall well um no i i actually like him quite a bit and it was one of the first things i wrote down here is like i like that christopher act or christopher walken is just is an actor here he's not like a joke yeah he's not like pantomiming himself like this is early enough in his career that it's not you know he's become such a I don't know, like a, a kind of a parody of himself at this point. And, and not parody, because I think it's done lovingly, and it's done, um, you know, he's made a career out of it, a late, he's yeah. kind of a later, late resurgence because of it, and that's great. 
But he always gets these, you know, very Christopher Walken roles where he's supposed to go in there and, you know, do the Walken thing. And here he's just, you know, going in. And he, he's certainly an actor that, that is distinct and makes some unique decisions. But he's going in and doing his own thing. And I think he's pretty great in this, actually. He, um, he definitely seems to internalize, like, a lot of the, like, struggle that Johnny's character goes through, like, coming to grips with... Not only losing his whole life when he's in this coma, but waking up with this, you know, curse slash gift of, you know, second sight or, you know, foresight, being able to see the future. Um, and I think he, he he handles all that really well. It's, it's a pretty meaty part. And I think he does a good job with it. I think there's I, I, one. Oh, sorry. Oh, I was just saying, I really liked the, the, the transition from Johnny at the beginning. Yeah. To when he goes into the yep. coma and, and how... Walken portrays that difference like he's kind of a happy-go-lucky you know guy at the beginning he's kind of corny well yeah, yeah he's a, corny he's a wait till teacher. we're married kind of guy <laughs> yeah. Yeah. oh my god yeah <laughs> his 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 jadedness when he you know is recovering is really understandable i i actually yeah. thought the scene when sarah comes to see him for the first time and mm-hmm. just how both of them, actually, both Brooke Adams and Christopher Walken in that whole act were really, really good. Um, just you can tell like he's he cares and he wants to, her to be happy. Like when he says that, it's like that's a believable line and it's delivered very believably. But you can also feel the bitterness there and it's understandable. Yeah. And then when she's driving away and she stops and she's just bawling in the car, actually kind of like I had to make a note of that. I'm like, that's that's a heavy performance on her part in that scene. Yeah. Very I think the the script didn't like mess around with those points, and, and it's done well by the actors too. But like, it does have this heavy like the weight of what would this actually be like? You know, having five years of your life just kind of stolen from you. Yeah. Um. You know, waking up and to you it's two minutes later. To everyone else in the world, it's been five years and they've moved on, and you know the only well, people that are still sitting there waiting are your parents. <laughs> and like, it's yeah. not just uh, that, but once you wake up the life that you had is drastically changed as you become like known as the town psychic you get all this attention people want to know all this shit and you're at the same time this gift that you have is also slowly killing you every time you Mm -hmm. use it it's just yeah when he goes off on his his rant about i think it's to tom scarrett about like you know I've, i've lost my love i've lost my my job um you know i've got literally nothing i had before his mom dies too like yeah his mother dies yeah he's like i've lost everything um pretty much you know since i've woken up like imagine that losing losing all those things over five years would be hard enough losing five years worth in you know a few days or a few months would be so much more so yeah, I thought that overall his performance was really good because it it is a it is a role. I agree. It's, there's a lot to do with it, and I guess kind of just knowing the story now. And again, I haven't read the book yet, but it's it's on my you know my next one. Um, I'm very curious to see. Kind of, you know, we we talked about this before we recorded with you know something like Misery, where you who you picture in that role when you're reading it is it the person you saw in the movie uh, i don't know if it's if it's be him but he did a really good job with it yeah there was one moment like where he has the vision of the uh, the kid 
kids going through the ice. And he's trying mm-hmm. to convince the dad not to do it. And he just smacks the fucking, like, glass, whatever it was, off the table with his cane going, the ice is going to break. He just screams it. it. And then afterwards <laughs> goes, like, yeah, I don't really know why I did that particular thing, but um, I'm sorry. He says, sorry about that. Yeah, yeah sorry about right. that. And I'm like, that is, that's a Christopher Walken moment where he just <laughs> really did a mo- really intense moment and just, okay, let me back down for a bit. And, just, and I'm like thinking, yeah, you're not really making your argument come across very easily if you just come in going like, hey, a dangerous thing's going to happen. Then you just spray somebody's furniture and go, and then continue to, it's like, you got to listen to me. <laughs> it's like, no, you got to wide limp i don't need to listen to you get the fuck out of my house hmm. one thing this movie yeah. does a really good job of is in in that scene when he's trying to convince this dad you know don't don't do this don't take these kids out of the ice you as an audience member you know more than this guy does right so there's a bit of like dramatic irony or whatever in that mm-hmm. uh where you know what he doesn't and i think walking can get away with being that kind of crazy because you as an audience member know, don't, don't take the fucking kids in the ice. I know what's going to happen too. But, yeah. you know, obviously you can't reach out. So it, it is, I thought that was like a, a as, as weird as it was, it kind of, it's a weird Oh, I enjoyed situation. it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's, like I said, it's very much like what I would, I know Walken as now versus like, so in this movie, this Walken is very, like, like pointed out before, like he's very much an actor in this movie it's like oh yeah that's right before he hits his whole like comedic things but when he had that one little like freak out moment it's just like yeah that's walking there he is i'm excited now watching it grow yeah that's the same guy i i could see it (laughs) but uh it is kind of funny though that um that this movie in a weird way like i don't know what, what do you think it's narrative on abstinence is because it's like, wow, if he would have actually just hooked up with this girl, this never would have happened. That's, <laughs> yeah. um, he never would it's... have gotten to a car crash with, with a tanker full of milk. Which also yeah, makes yeah. me wonder, no, no like, tanker. is this like a superhero origin story? Is this, is this a milk-based superpower? Because this is how this starts, <laughs> right? <laughs> if it, it was not radioactive milk, had it been... No. You know, it's not... <laughs> I got hit by a bunch uh, of milk, and now I can see into the dead zone. I mean, you yeah, kind that's of true. If he just would have, yeah, they just would have uh, got it on that evening. He, Johnny's okay. They're happy. They're married. I mean, we still would have. We still would have had a dictator, or or sorry, a demagogue voted into presidents. Fuck, we did. Fuck, yeah, we live in the reality okay. where Johnny yeah, hooked wait, up. I was waiting <laughs> yeah, for Johnny. For, didn't wait. Yeah, I was man. waiting for that to get brought up because we need to talk about Martin Sheen. <laughs> Martin so. Sheen's character in this, um, Greg Stilson, yeah. Stilson, yeah, um, Greg Stilson, is the whole time I was watching this, I'm like this was made in 1983. Mm-hmm. No yeah. shit, like pretty. Oh yeah. my god, well, have you ever seen the years before that? So have you ever oh. seen the interview that uh, Stephen King gave about his like this was recently where he uh, people asked like his like Greg being compared to trump and he goes like yeah somehow trump became worse like trump is the worst like <laughs> worse than what i actually wrote but it scared me because i after doing that character i truly understood what these type of people exist but that's why like he was so like vocal on twitter 
about uh, mm-hmm. the presidency and shit like that, and like was li- probably legitimately scared. He's like, "Fuck! I wrote a book about this. I don't need this." Yeah, tried to <laughs> warn you guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he's written a book about that. He's written a book about pandemics. I mean, we need everybody needs to read more Stephen King and take it seriously. Yeah, um, you know. Yeah, it's the, the Nostradamus just, of our times. The, well, just in the irony too about like a guy who can predict the future. <laughs> and yeah. Here it is. All right. There, yeah, that was that that was a little uncomfortable, but but yeah, Martin Sheen is this type of a politician. Which uh, I, I mean, I don't know if you guys are are West Wing yeah. fans or if you ever saw the show, but like, yeah, I'm used to seeing Martin Sheen as a very different type of politician, and this was uh, I was gonna jarring in a lot in a way, but he's he's pretty great. In a I, I was gonna, limited time. I was gonna also say, like, uh, first off, I want to uh, say I, I, I have a tendency to of fusing Martin Sheen's name with Martin Shore. <laughs> like I switch it in my head, um, and it Martin Short. I yeah, sorry, I said Shore. Uh, Martin oh. Short, which in my brain makes it a very interesting casting choice. Um, but what I was going to point Martin out short as Greg Stilson would have been interesting, right? But, um, <laughs> Sheen's performance, I can't, like, I'm also reminded of like, huh? I also know him as uncle Ben in the amazing Spider-Man movie, which like how many oh, people right, have seen right. that? And he has a whole, like his whole line about, uh, with great power is elongated into like, if you, have the ability to stop something, you have a moral obligation to do something about it. And I'm like, um, dead zone. Like, yeah. <laughs> this this discussion is brought up, and he did. He did something about it. But not only that, but you right. mentioned the West Wing. I'm like, yeah, West Wing, very... He did become president. Then also Spawn, like, wow, he also played oh, a yeah. demagogue who would end the world. In a really right. bad dyed beard, I want to add, too. Yes. <laughs> yeah, the fakest of fake beards oh, I've ever seen. Which I think God. just adds to the character. I mean, look at Trump's hairdo, like fucking seven years oh, old. There you go. But I'm just saying, Martin Sheen, what are you? Uh, he's, also, <laughs> he's also Captain Willard from Apocalypse Now. Yeah. Then there's that. Which, there's that. So <laughs> this man there's a mashup range. I want to see. <laughs> uh, what if it's just the same character, his en- whole entire life just stretched out? Uh, very interesting career choices. Um, Turns out, yeah. actually, everybody yeah. in this movie was played by Gary Oldman. Uh, I yeah. thought it was yeah. Andy well, Serkis in mocap. It <laughs> it turns out that you know every movie, every actor and every character in every movie is actually just Gary Oldman and Andy Serkis. That's those are the two and actors and currently it's that employed. good. So yeah. <laughs> every table, every scenery, um, every set you see is just Andy speaking, Serkis in mocap. Speaking of cast, well, two notes. One, uh, Brooke Adams was in Shockwaves. That was the other That's movie we right. saw with her. Um, she didn't do much in that one, but, you know, Scream and Run, but she was in it. And um, Herbert Lom as Dr. Wyzak in this movie um, was an interesting choice for me because what I I don't really know Herbert Lom from anything but the uh, opposite of Peter Sellers in the Pink Panther movies. <laughs> Oh, that's right. <laughs> and it, that's really what I see him is that's the character, the Chief Inspector Dreyfus character from that that always comes to mind, and um, he kind of uses like the same. And I think it's it's just his actual speaking voice, but he kind of uses like the same, you know, accent or presentation uh, with this character, and he's perfectly fine in this movie. But it, it 
added kind of like a silly kind of almost mad scientist feel to it that I don't think this character actually had. I was probably assigning that from, you know, a different character. But mm-hmm. anyway, I thought he was an interesting choice, especially since this is, uh, you know, post most of those movies being made. Um, yeah, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. All, uh, all I can it's, see. It's a, there's a bit <laughs> of a... waiting for him to do that little tick that he's always doing. Yeah, yeah there, there's almost a bit of like a Henry Kissinger there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yep. Um in his accent too. Um but yeah, I mean I I mentioned it before but they just cram so much in here. You've got a murder mystery, you've got like a I don't want to say government conspiracy, but you've got, you know, political issues and psychic and loss of loved ones and you know, loss of, of On the, life and the good old, you know, philosophical quandary of time travel like if you had an opportunity and this isn't time travel per se but it's the same situation presented if you had an opportunity to you know know that somebody you know said said child said person is going to go on to become this person that's just going to you know mass murderer destroy the world in some way like in this case stilson's character is going to be demagogue will be elected to the senate eventually become the president and then you know nuke something that's going to cause a world world crisis and then with massive loss of life obviously if you nuke something it's going to have massive loss of life but um so yeah it's that old question like and they bring it up like literally if you had a chance to kill a, a dr wyzak and johnny smith have this conversation if you had a chance to kill adolf hitler would you do that and it, it's insinuated i think that dr wyzak is a survivor of of the holocaust i don't know if they right out said that but um yeah he i mean they and, definitely show his backstory being yeah and pretty much he lands on like yeah you not only should you but you kind of have to it's your responsibility same thing as you were saying earlier about uncle ben uh, (laughs) yeah yeah so so yeah it all comes back to martin sheen i guess in the end but (laughs) i like how he i actually kind of like how uh says it too like you know he's just like first he sets it up as like it's kind of like the you think he's gonna go one direction uh, where he's mm-hmm. just like, well, I'm a doctor. It's my duty to treat people, to heal people, to protect people. So, yeah, I would have to. I have no choice. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, like that's the best way to do so. Damn. Yeah. yeah. I liked his answer a lot. Like, that's, yeah. it's, it's moments like that that I really think this movie works really well. And it has that kind of episodic fashion, which is interesting because it eventually becomes a television series, as we mentioned at the top of the episode. But, you know, it has that episodic fashion, you know, first it's kind of about the tragic situation of Johnny, him discovering his powers, then it's Castle Rock Killer, murder mystery, then the third act is, you know, the Greg Stilson, um, save the world uh, by murdering, you know, kill one man, save the world kind of situation. Yeah. And um, I think it actually pulls off all three of them pretty well. I think the gazebo scene's really well done with the murder mystery. Yeah. do we want yeah, to talk a little so, bit more about the murder mystery, like that whole arc? We didn't. I yeah. guess we didn't really give it much. Like, sure. Because like, I don't. What did you guys like? There, you mentioned the gazebo, but there's a lot kind of going on in that short bit. It feels like, like this in itself could have been a movie. Yeah, and I, I yeah. that was my, one of my critiques actually is that plot felt rushed, and that felt like you're right. That could have been a movie all on its own, and like you just said, Eric. I think this. I haven't seen the the series. But I, I know it was very popular. I, it was very successful. I watched it from time to time when it was on. Not like I didn't catch it every week kind of thing, didn't follow it. But I did see a few episodes. It, in my memory, 
you know, you go back and visit some 90s television and your memory is not, you know, always reliable. But my memory was a pretty solidly good show. And that is kind of the angle that 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 middle section of this film is kind of where that TV series lives. Like he is a consultant with the police. He helps solve crimes. And that's kind of the, you know, how they get into the episodic every week, a new mystery kind of form that the show takes i don't i didn't see it right at the very beginning so i'm not sure like how they dealt with the actual dead zone uh or like the events of the novel or if they did it all or if they just kind of used the premise and moved on from there um they changed a few things but yeah, but yeah they yeah. and uh greg comes up later in the series and he's like an on again off again antagonist uh and the series okay. uh never got renewed so they never actually uh finished. yeah i knew it was an non-ender it doesn't yeah. have yeah i think it oh they didn't finish it oh yeah. that sucks yeah. well That's sci-fi hate that. sci-fi bought it and rumors were they're going to fi- give it the final season but nothing has been never never happened yeah yeah i think that it it does have all the elements here uh, like again i i i plan on reading the book next so um and maybe they go into all of that, all of the details of, of all of these side stories. But yeah, one of my other things, they crammed a lot into uh, a relatively short film. And yeah, it's it, about two hours-ish. Yeah, yeah. and it, yeah. it just felt a little... Uh, like some of those things, like you could tell there's more to say here. Yeah. I mean, the the, the entire... The fact that, you know, they only spend... It's, it's you know, uh, 103 minutes is what it runs. So essentially they're spending a half an hour on the, the the premise like how how does johnny get into this situation they're spending a half an hour on the castle rock killer murder mystery and they're spending a half an hour on the stilson uh political you know that whole thread yeah. part of the film so right. um i mean there's that in between yeah, so bit the castle where rock... he's tutoring that kid too but right yeah get into that but yeah castle rock sorry yeah, no, the Castle Rock Killer stuff is is done well for the little bit we see. Really, all we get is we get a conversation between the sheriff, played by Tom Skerritt, um, Sheriff Bannerman, and um, he comes to kind of recruit Johnny's help after he's become, like, the famous local psychic. Um, kind of describes, like, oh, well, you may not be familiar with, there, there's been this string of killings all throughout the time, like, you were in your coma. This killer's been, you know, stalking Castle Rock, and he's killing young women. And um, we would like your help. We just, you know, we we don't have any leads. We can't catch this guy. It keeps happening. You would be, you know, be able to help us save lives if you could help us out. You kind of get the impression it's played really well by Tom Skerritt that he's he's kind of a um, reluctant believer in yeah. this, and that it's kind of, he's kind of at his last straw. He's desperate, that, yeah, uh, yeah, and. Another thing that's just done really well in this movie is because you don't get a lot of screen time with him, and you totally get all of that from just the way he he and uh, Johnny interact. Oh yeah, and um, yeah, I... so Johnny goes out and tries to help out, and he, you know, eventually ends up helping him nab the killer. But yeah, it's it's really all kind of plays out in one scene. Well, did you guys uh, yeah. guess that um, the killer was definitely the deputy like right away? I don't know if I guessed it right away. Um, I had seen the movie before, so I'm trying right. to remember way back to when I. Um, yeah, no, I don't. I don't feel like I saw that coming the first time. But what about you, Joe? Um, right before the reveal, uh, I figured it would be. 
And again, I, it's because of, it's because of how the pacing was going. Right. It it was okay. It had to be somebody is, that we knew. It's got to be somebody we've met already, and you know, it's it's somewhat. I I thought it was either going to be the sheriff or the deputy. Yeah. But I, then, uh, within like one or two lines of dialogue, I was like, oh, okay, that's the deputy. Yeah. The moment that they pulled up to the place to get Johnny and the deputy was acting the way that he did. Like he's, he acted very like non-supportive, like, Hey man, you know, it, it, he kind of had this energy of like, Hey, it kind of is what it is. We're just never going to solve this. And the fact that they like, God, I don't know why for the life of me, we can't like, he keeps like, we can't find anything. I'm like, yeah, he's in, he's on the inside has to be a cop. This dude doesn't give a rat's ass. It's this motherfucker. Like before he <laughs> yeah. even got out of the car, I'm just, I, this is, I'm not trying to, it's just one of those things of how those, these narratives go where I'm like, it has right. to be the cop. And then when it, when, when they had that gazebo moment and he turns his head, like after, I think it's after he says like, oh my God, she knew, she knew the guy. I'm like, fucking knew it because you didn't give us any other characters that it mm-hmm. could have been other than the doctor that yeah. would have been a twist oh well, that's <laughs> a, a, yeah. that's an unfortunate thing because of the the condensed time like they really wouldn't have yeah. had time to introduce you to a lot of suspects or you know right. have them do a lot of actual detective work on this thing because yeah. the, they do Mind the scene you... i was gonna say they do the scene where they're down like in the in the tunnel i was gonna say the the crime scene and that's why i was wondering if it was tom scarrett because when he hands him the pack of cigarettes to touch to see if you know he gets anything from it they and it's a really good shot of of scarrett passing him and it is it's tom scarrett who's doing that isn't it yeah yeah, yeah. Yep. He, passing him that pack of cigarettes and their fingers almost touch but they don't well here's the thing he flat out when he hands the cigarette pack back he does tet touch deputy frank dodd's hand the serial killer he i i because i because that was my suspicion mm. like oh he touched his hand and there's no premonition I'm just like huh i feel like this is a missed opportunity <laughs> like but it's just like so going to the actual narrative he actually did touch the killer and nothing triggered Hmm. but um i'd have to go but, back and look at that again you could be right yeah huh. oh i would yeah i was watching it very intently because of like all my suspicions like this is the moment because it's in a dark eerie t- same situ same for you the setup this is a dark tunnel this has to be the moment but it's like yeah so it got me up in a different direction hmm. um right. but that gazebo scene like where walk-in walk-in's performance yeah, we i get think like full psychic flashes we're getting to see it really for the yeah. first yeah cool. i don't remember what the hockey kids were i guess before but that was only flashes well but... there's also like uh when he sees the doctor's past but like him being in the vision and just this is where like christopher walken's performance really sh- like sh- i think shined the most for me is where, where he's he the thing he's saying is like i'm watching this and i can't do anything like i'm not doing yeah. anything like that way it's like holy shit this that's what made me realize that this yeah. is this is right here proof that this tortures this man this mm-hmm. scene yeah that he does not like what he has and i'm like thinking yeah. about that and the like, way he reacts no. to that and just perseverates of like he's like i can't i can't do anything i'm not i'm not helping like i can't 
Well, imagine it tells you that. who he you're, is you're as a, forced, yeah, 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 you're forced to sit and watch this horrible act be committed, and you are completely powerless to do anything. Which makes the the end makes so much more sense when he's like, "I have a vision that I can actually prevent something happening." Yeah, should I mm-hmm. do it? Yeah, that a, wow, just a, realizing in that moment it, how much that builds. <laughs> it, it was, yeah. but again, with the pacing, that should have been more of a build. It should have and been more it, throughout. Right. It, I it think. was kind of a. He should have brought. They should have had a scene later when he's reflecting to somebody and brought that back up again. I think, right. like, yeah, especially, especially when he's mulling over what to do about Stilson. Um, um, well, the yeah. scene with the boy yeah. falling through the ice is the first time we actually see that he is able to stop the future, and it's actually mm-hmm. like the first time that since the the serial killer situation that he makes himself vulnerable again he like he jumps out of out to try to save this boy uh which that turns out to be a bittersweet end in anyways he's only able to save the boy because of his actions yeah 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 and yeah so there's there's a lot of stuff there it's just it's it's pushed through so quickly um very yeah which which was a bit of a shame who knows how you know how many drafts of the script or how long the script was before they pared it down to, or even what they shot before they pared it down to this version of the film. But um, obviously it's been heavily adapted from the book. As we all know, Stephen King's not a concise writer. So um, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. Well, do we have any final thoughts and jump into a grade on the dead zone? I have a quick one and that's just a really simple touch that I really liked about this was an, I don't know if the, like, the costumes are great throughout because there's not really many, like, quote-unquote costumes in the movie. Uh, it's pretty much just your average, everyday, you know, 1983 kind of clothes. But uh, Walken's, or Johnny's, um, trench coat with the popped black collar. Yeah. And it looks like they've 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 made him very pale. I don't know if it's he's made up that way or if it's just the contrast between his skin tone and the coat. Um, but it's a very distinct and really effective like look, and I really like that that costume. It's simple, but it uh, certainly tortured. makes him look yeah. yeah, like yeah. But uh, it's it's a very iconic almost image of you know this character. Well, and, they brought uh, it into the series too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Hmm. That's a good point. I I really especially and I mentioned this before, but the juxtaposition from you know, his kind of button-up look at the beginning mm-hmm. to, to the, like, the trench coat look. It's almost a superhero origin. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, you could definitely... Yeah, you got hit by that milk, man. That way. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. that psychic-based yeah. milk. Yeah. So, Ryan, any final <laughs> thoughts and uh, a grade for The Dead Zone? Um, well, it's... So, because of the movie was made in, like, the early 80s... Um, it's it's weird to think that this movie was made two years prior than Back to the Future, <laughs> by comparison. Um, it's so because of its its pace and issues aren't as heavy for me because of when it was made and because of everything that was going on with it. Because um, I agree, like a lot of this could have been better. A lot of this, I think, what it is is like so much of it is actually interesting, so compelling that you kind of want more of it, that you do want to kind of be able to savor it longer. Um, But, you know, everything that's in it isn't really a waste either. Like, everything made sense. Like, I don't see... 
any of this being cut and that is kind of the difficulty of trying to throw a Stephen King story into a two hour movie or less than two hour movie um but I mean this is my first time actually watching the thing entirely like being aware of the concept and it's like I enjoyed it I actually enjoyed it a lot um I totally understand why it has so so many like I understand why this has such a strong cultural significance uh definitely in the 90s and some parts of the early 2000s like uh, I remember there being a Christopher Walken skit I think on SNL where he did a dead zone thing <laughs> yeah. and it's all of his predictions are just the milk went bad like you know it's like yeah <laughs> it's not what good what was it called it's uh the trivial psychic yes ed glosser trivial psychic was the yeah that might have been early 80s or early 90s i don't remember when that skit was but i mean like i know there's a lot of dead zone references or at least growing up i remember seeing so many so that's what i was aware of with this having seen the movie it's i give it i'm between giving it a b plus and an a minus um but i i think i'm just gonna leave it kind of there because i can't really choose between the two um much like our our heroes visions it's a choose your own adventure (laughs) my grade so what you guys want to average that or anything (laughs) No, I don't have to. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's so either a B plus or well, no, it's between a B plus and an A minus because it kind of really does depend on who kind of watches this because it's like yeah. there's moments of it that make it worthy of the A minus, but there's also moments that kind of whittle it down to a B plus. But it, it's it's hard for me because there's there's things I really like about it. It's so mm. I I can't really choose. Um, I think it really depends on the mood that I am to watch it. And today I was in a really good mood to watch it. Apparently. So, okay. Well, um, this is a good flick. I like this one. Um, I I had only recently, and I, I think I said this earlier, but only seen it in, in recent years. Like it's not something I like grew up watching or was aware of. Uh, I actually had seen the TV show, you know, in the '90s when it was on, and, and was two thousands aware of that two thousands. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, and yes, yeah, sometime you know when I was younger. When <laughs> I was younger, random. it's all starting to blur um, together. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, the uh, so I was aware of that prior to even seeing this, but I don't know. It's well made. I, I really think it's well acted. I think it deals with it. It it has the ability to kind of deal with the heavy concepts of the movie. I do find it interesting that it is presented in such a kind of bleak and humorless way. Like, don't expect to be you know have a lot of laughs here. This is a pretty serious, straightforward, and kind of hum humorless sounds like an insult like i'm, I'm cutting down on the movie but i'm I mean, not it's, Walken, appropri- it's appropriate for the yeah. material walking has a few um, like side jokes here and there but yeah yeah they're very subtle um christopher walken's like great in this movie this is a <coughs> excuse me um one of his better performances uh in my opinion like I, and he's great in a lot of things but this one is is definitely just as a whole character I think he kind of owns Johnny Smith. This is a great performance of his. Um, stylistically, it's not super Cronenberg, but it's certainly well made. So it's it's certainly showing his chops as a filmmaker and as he kind of progresses, because it's still early in his career. Um, it's yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a it's a good flick. I I don't know if it's got his fingerprints all over it. It's not one like 
I did find it like we, we talked about it briefly. I found it extremely interesting that in a in a story like this that has so many opportunities for body horror that there's nothing like that in it. So it's it's more just a directing job for him. But I know the uh, scissor scene was difficult. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's I mean that's like the only instance of really anything like that at all. Right. But um, yeah, I mean Johnny's body was mangled in this accident. He really could have played up some of that angle, and he didn't really. So. Um, yeah, that was surprising to me too. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and it, it, his body keeps changing as the psychic ability kind of like just takes it out of him. So right. I think he really he really could have played the body horror angle, and he didn't. It wasn't his script, so maybe not his decision at the end of the day. But it's still it's still a well made film, um, a tragedy really in a lot of ways. And uh, but yeah, great cast and um, long winded here. But yeah, I'm gonna go with the B plus. I'm gonna sit right there with you. So, The Dead Zone, there it is. <laughs> it's not bad. <clears throat> Sorry, it's not bad. Um, I actually really <laughs> did enjoy this one, too. Uh, but the, the pacing on this one, I don't know, it was almost like, and I hate to say this about like a, a film master like David Cronenberg, really, but it, he, it's almost like biting off more than you can chew you know taking this huge project and having to condense it down so much i feel like there was so much narrative that was potentially lost luckily you've got such a phenomenal cast and really good directing um that it you get the story it's just every single story each one of these acts that we're talking about you know the 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 castle rock killer and the, the politician all that you just you you know there's more to the story than what they're telling you, um, and and it just felt a bit rushed. This felt more like if I was at a, if you're at a cocktail party with this cast and they just decided to explain the script they just read for a movie they're going to be in, it'd be just as damn good because they're really really good actors. Um, <laughs> but it it just kind of it that was something that I, it kept bothering me as I was watching it. But at the same time, no, I didn't want to watch a four hour Dead Zone movie. Um, so I'm I'm gonna fall right at a B, um, and and really the only reason I'm knocking it down that much was just the pacing of this was everything was so rushed, and it 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 worked because of the cast and because of the directing, but I think that they really lucked out with that by having such a good cast saved this from being uh, being worse, uh, yeah. because it, I think it's on like a shaky foundation just the way that it's cut being so rushed and i i do feel like some of it's beyond just editing again there's some major verbal exposition dumps in this one that you can tell the script even is moving at a pretty fast pace yeah. um and some so of it I don't was be... adr too <laughs> like it's yeah, happening right. like oh, oh someone's right face. so i i didn't want to i don't want to knock it too much but yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna settle on a, on a b with that one so but uh, we would love to know what any of our listeners think of The Dead Zone. Have you seen this one before? Are you a fan of the TV show? Have you read the book? We'd love to hear any of your questions, comments, criticisms, or witticisms. And you can send those to the Video Junkyard Podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at the main Video Junkyard page or the Video Junkyard group. You can also find us at Twitter at Video Junk Pod, as well as Pinterest and Instagram and uh, possibly other social media networks. I did forget to mention at the top of the show that this was a the first movie ever selected by a poll, um, which we selected both of our Cronenberg movies that we're doing in our two-part Cronenberg takeover here. Um, 
were selected by poll by um, the listeners. So thank you for anyone who voted in that poll that selected the Dead Zone in next week's movie Cosmopolis, which is a more recent uh, 2014, I believe, um, David Cronenberg film. So uh, we'll be checking that out next week. If you haven't heard already, the Video Junkyard Podcast has an official Patreon page, so if you like what you hear, please consider jumping over there and uh, helping us out a little bit with the uh, cost of production, web hosting costs, everything you give at the Patreon page will go back into the show. Um, You also have an opportunity to uh, get some exclusive Video Junkyard Podcast swag, members-only content, and the ability to vote in future polls. Some of them, obviously, will be... uh, on the on the facebook page and stuff as well but vote in polls to help us decide what we're going to watch on the social check that out if you have a minute and uh, of course we appreciate you always coming back and uh listening to the video junkyard podcast oh and i did want to say before we jump into the very end thank you to our uh i will start naming our patrons and thank you to david andrews who has become a patron of uh this week who is also a co-host of the show so <laughs> no you, david, we can't tell you how much he paid to get to that tier <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that is out of your price range. Yeah. It's out of your, and it includes, you know, other kinds of favors, not just uh, monetary. He he right. paid with his time, energy, and soul. I guess. Yeah, yeah, and probably the souls of his, you know, family members and, and dignity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely dignity. That was a cost of some no dignity. Question. But hey, he's got a sweet T-shirt coming his way, so it's all going to be <laughs> worth it in the end. Next week, we're going to be checking out uh, Cosmopolis as the second part of our uh, David Cronenberg uh, two-part special. Uh, following that, the 1996 adaptation of The Island of Dr. Moreau, starring Val Kilmer and the late, great Marlon Brando. Uh, after that, we're going to roll into our Halloween October month of um, some interesting, more popular Halloween movies around the time we were growing up. So we're going to check out Van Helsing, Monster Squad, Fright Night, Hocus Pocus, uh, and on and on and on um, throughout the month of October. May not be in that order. Pay attention uh, to the schedule if you're interested. That will be posted. Uh, I always keep the schedule posted and updated on the Facebook page. And we'll uh, yeah, um, tell you the order when we get it figured out. We want to thank you once again for listening to the Video Junkier podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and are willing to share around on whatever listening platform you're using. And until next time, when we hope you join us again, I'm Joe Peterson. I'm Eric O'Branson. And I'm Ryan Seiskel. The ice is gonna break! You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. You just can't let them go? Go. Stay on the road. Keep clear to the moors. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast on Twitter at Video Junk Pod, and on Instagram as Video Junkyard Podcast, all one word. Want to thank you again for listening, and keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the Video Junkyard.